let me start out uh, this way this evening. I want to thank you, uh, church, uh, for praying for me over the last, uh, I don't know how long y'all been praying, but somehow in God's divine providence, uh, I've been in a, in a dark place, and, and I feel the fog has listed, and I, I, I credit that to y'all's prayers and praying for me, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much for that, and brother, I, I appreciate you inviting me uh, here uh, today. I, I needed uh, to be around some good, strong, godly people. I've been blessed today. Uh, just even having lunch with these guys was, was a blessing today. I've been encouraged. Uh, I've been uplifted. i uh, just hearing their stories and hearing from them, and it just brought me great, great joy. Uh, tonight, uh, for my text, uh, I was assigned Hebrews chapter 2. And so I just picked out those first four verses of Hebrews chapter 2 tonight. Uh, I will give you a warning uh, ahead of time tonight. Sometimes I have a hard time landing the plane, so it takes me a while to conclude. So when I say that I'm almost done, don't pay any mind. When I say we're, we're about to go for Q&A, don't pay that any mind. As my dad said, son, with you it's always one more thing. And so that's kind of how it is. But anyways, uh, so get, don't, get, don't be napping on me this morning. Let me do this. I'd like to read those uh, first four verses. And then I want to pray. All right? So here we go. God's Word, Hebrews chapter 2, and those first four verses. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. I couldn't help but to think as, I, as it starts out with that word, therefore. And so I go back to what I heard last night, and all I can do is take and spin the diamond with all those facets as long as I see the Creator, the Redeemer, the power, the might, the beauty, and the glory of our Lord. I'm just fascinated, and I, I marvel at that. And tonight I, I go to where we're at in chapter 2, and all I can think of is, Praise God for the things that we saw last night, the things that's in our passage tonight. All the doctrine we started in Genesis going through has been pointing to Jesus Christ and the salvation we have in Him. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 talks about crushing the head of the serpent. We already see Christ coming. In Exodus, see the Passover lamb. And we think, oh, and then in John chapter 1, it says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, what a mighty, mighty salvation we have. We were dead, spiritually dead, without hope, without a prayer. And this mighty king that sits at the right-hand side of the Father brings us salvation. He stooped down from heaven and came and dwelled upon this earth. They nailed him to the cross. He brought sinners to freedom. He cut the irons of bronze that we might be free from the dominion and the rule of sin in our life. I look at my... I guess why I get passionate, so passionate about this passage as I, I look at who I was. I, I look at the deadness of my heart. I look at the hardness of my heart. I, I looked at the no hope there. Uh, God, how can you save someone like this? But then I see His free grace. 
and His mercy. And sometimes I think we lose the, the luster of salvation. It becomes common ground that nobody seems to get excited. They don't understand that they was out hope. They were dead as a doornail. They was in the grave. There was no hope there. And then we see Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you. The passage is a, a warning. It's also an encouragement uh, for those that are believers. Uh, say, well, if we're believers, why do we need to be encouraged about this great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ? Sometimes we need those reminders. Sometimes we need to be pointed back to what we have in Jesus Christ. In this day and age in which we live in, when you raise your hand and say, okay, I'm a, I believe in Jesus Christ, we go back to living just how he was before we were supposedly saved, and we see not the power of the gospel, but the power of the gospel, and when it saves a man, he is not the same, he will never be the same, he will be moving forward, drawing nearer to God, marveling at those things we looked at last night, marveling that he could be saved uh, by a Savior such as a sinner such as us. And so we need to be, sometimes we need to be reminded to, to wake up a little bit. So if you think about our, our passage tonight, I think about the, the church as a, pictured as a ship, if, if you will. And if we look at this church that's uh, written to in the book of Hebrews, and they were struggling. They was wanting to turn back. They wanted to, to give up. They wanted to go back where they used to be. And, and the pressure was amounting and, and coming on to them. And you think of a troubled sea uh, pounding up on the church. I don't know about you guys, but in our area, uh, I would say East Texas. I'm just going to call us rednecks on the other side over there. There has been a, there's been an attack, I guess, on the church with constant bombardment for those men and those women who want to stand boldly for Jesus Christ. And we've, we've come to a softness. We're, we're scared to preach the truth. And we see pastors without courage to stand boldly. And they cave to the things of the world. And some are in danger of being blown from their moorings and drifting out to sea. They think they have salvation. They believe that they've been born again, but their life shows something quite contrary. I want you to be clear on this tonight, and I know you guys have been trained and taught uh, well, uh, but I want you to hear this clearly tonight in case there's any misunderstanding at all. If you are truly born again, you cannot lose your salvation. That's not what this passage is talking about tonight. And, but hold on to that. Don't forget that. It says, paying heed to the gospel is more than head knowledge, but faith in the gospel, love for the truth, and steadfastness in following it. One commentator notes to pay attention or to heed when connected with that uh, peril of drifting off course may have a nautical overtone, if you will, to hold a ship toward port or, or fastened to a seabed. The image of a drifting ship warns readers that they are in danger of losing sight of the reality of Christian salvation. I grew up on the South Texas coast, and Port O'Connor was, was close. We had a little old boat, and we spent many, many days. I was there for about 20 years down there, and one of my favorite things to do 
when I could get away and my wife wasn't fussing at me, was grab one of the kids and would go down to Port O'Connor. And there's this big rock jetties that jut out there that the ships pass through. And we could go out there on some days and go around that end and we'd drop anchor. And man, the fishing was almost always really good. And so we'd drop anchor, we'd begin fishing. You get into some fish and you get excited and you're, you're focusing on catching fish. You're focusing on getting them into the boat. And what happens oftentimes in that we're so focused on catching the fish, the anchor's bounced off the bottom. The tide's changed. Instead of taking the boat this way, it's pointing this way. And the next thing you lift, look up and you're on the rocks. Uh, it's a dangerous situation. What happened? You're not paying attention. You're not watching. You're not looking. You're not being careful with it. And I want to say the same thing to us as Christians, that drifting is not intentional, but it comes from carelessness and inattention to the Word of God. A dear Christian, we can, we can very easily begin to drift. Once again, you not lose your salvation, but to drift from that sure foundation of Jesus Christ, Him who holds us tight, whose anchor doesn't drift, it drives tightly to the bottom. As the storms of opposition rise, look around your world to the people that you know, and you see many drifting farther and farther away from Christ toward the rocks with their families being shipwrecked, with their lives being shipwrecked, and then we come to them and we preach them that God is love, that it doesn't matter how you live. Come to church on Sunday, live like a sinner the rest of the week. God loves you. He takes you as you are. Folks, that's not the gospel. The gospel transforms. The gospel changes. The gospel makes you into a new man or a new woman. Let us be careful. Let us pay attention to this wonderful gift of grace that we have, not to neglect it. And so we find in Hebrews uh, many warnings, many exhortations to continue faithfully in the gospel of grace. As the storms rise, we, we tend to drift. Look at our text there. And I'm going to skip around here a little bit, but I'm going to come back and finish with verse 2. But look at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation how shall we escape you want the answer you shall not escape you shall not to be careless of the gospel or to turn a deaf ear to its messengers to despise it to neglect the message of salvation no one I'm pretty sure this is not going to be politically correct, but this is what we're going to do. No one can escape divine vengeance on those who neglect the truth of the gospel. We can't escape it. It's, it's, it's everyone. There's no one. We will face God, either as His child or as an unbeliever. Neglecting such a salvation is terribly serious for three reasons. And I'm going to give them to you this morning. And this outline I've got from a, a David McWilliams, so I'm going to share those things. I'm mixed in with it. My sermons kind of all go like this. That's okay, right? All right, here we go. There is no life in no one but Jesus Christ. 
There's no, other, there's no other Savior. There's no other place to go. You can't go to Buddha. You can't go to Allah. You, you can't go to any of those places. There is one life that is in Jesus Christ. It had its beginning. It was declared at first by the Lord. Prior prophecies, announcement of the gospel, find their final fulfillment in Christ and His atoning work. The, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king. There is salvation. There's no other salvation. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the only avenue. If we neglect the salvation that God has revealed in in the Son, there is no one else who can save us from our sins. Contrary to what some may say, second thing, to neglect salvation in Christ results in eternal punishment. You say, Pastor, you can't say that in the pulpit anymore. That's the truth of God's Word. We must look at it. We must examine it. But as believers in Christ, we're rescued from that. The gospel message isn't another just an empty philosophy. It's something you can't just take it or leave it. It's something that God does to us. It's something He does in our heart. It's something He transforms us and changes. But that's not fair. That's not fair. I'm a pretty good guy. I've lived a pretty good life. I give to a lot of different things. Surely God will take me as I am. No, dear friend. No, dear friend. The only hope that we have as sinners is Jesus Christ. To quarrel with God's punishment is to quarrel with God for being holy and just. But God, I I don't deserve this. My friend, we deserve it. There's not one good thing in us. No, not one. But I thought God was all love, and surely He wouldn't punish me. To true believers, every utterance of the gospel proclaims saving grace. God's focus upon that saving grace, that free grace, that grace that God pours out. It encourages us. It reminds us. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself of the great salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. James Montgomery Boyce puts it this way. You're safe there. Jesus has his hand on you, and God has his hand. You're doubly safe. You're doubly secure. Don't take it lightly. It's a blessing. We were headed straight to the pits of hell without any hope. And God stooped down and, and Jesus come in the flesh. John 1 and 14, He became flesh and came and walked and talked and, and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. Died the death that we couldn't die. Rose from the grave, seated at the right hand of the Father. What a blessed Savior. Those who reject the gospel must give an account for rejecting the gospel. In our pastors, there's a warning here for those who sat and heard the gospel. They've come. I can't pick anybody out because I don't know most all of you. They come. They hear the word faithfully preached. Uh, they may have someone come and share the gospel one-on-one. When they've heard the truth about Jesus Christ, but yet they continue to reject. They continue to rebel. They continue to push away. 
Say, how do you know that, Pastor? I was there. I've done that. I've been there. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to change. I, I didn't want to transform. I, I wanted God. I want him over here where it's safe. I, I didn't want him here. He, he might expect something out of me. He might want something from me. Yeah, he does. He wants me to serve. He wants you, us to bow down and be humble before him. Look, I've, I've sent you my son. He's died for you. You have his grace and mercy poured into your life. Oh, what a great salvation. I can't help but to thank those that have heard the gospel over and over and over again and fail to respond or worsening their own judgment. I'm going to change points here. I don't, I don't know why. I, didn't, I guess you're supposed to write transition in your notes, right? I didn't do that. That's all right. The place of warning in the church and the Christian life. The Lord uses warning in the lives of true believers to spur them on continually to see their need of Christ. And this is what we have here, a warning to us. Guys, pay attention. Take heed. Look closely. Is not salvation true, certain for believers? Sure, it's for us believers, certain. We can hold on to that. Yes, those who are truly saved from sin must by virtue of the Father's electing decree, the blood of Christ who bought them and the Holy Spirit's effectual application of Christ's atonement, will effectually persevere to the end. It's sure, it's, it's undeniable. This is where it gets tough. Maybe I can get a, a, a testimony here. The way to heaven's not easy. The way to heaven's not easy. Contrary to what many will say, it's difficult. It's work. It's perseverance. And so the Lord uses some things here to help uh, us on our way to heaven. He uses instruction. He uses encouragement. He uses discipline and even warning to bring us home. And I know most of you guys have have read uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. There's a helpful illustration here. The Lord delivers Christian from his awful burden of sin. I don't know if you, I have a book I, I do with the children at our church, and uh, it's called Dangerous Journey. It's pilgrims for, chil- for children, little ones. And we open the book, and we work through there, and we get to the point when the burden comes off of a uh, pilgrim's back, and it rolls down the sufferer, and he, he jumps, and he's got this joy on his face. He's finally got rid of the a burden, and praise God, the kids get excited. The preacher gets excited. And it's certain, and if you read the end of the book, you know that Christian and hopeful make it to the celestial city. Uh, if you read the, the end first, you know for sure. But, but I want you to notice a few things about his journey. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we miss that, and I, I, I miss it as a pastor. I'm the pastor. It's supposed to be easy. It shouldn't be difficult all the time. Sometimes it is. Uh, and we'll use uh, Christian for example. Uh, the certain if Christian's arrival did not make the slew of despond less real. He got in the pit. He was broken. He was down. He was discouraged. He's still on his way. He's headed to heaven. Uh, but he fell off. He, he got into that slew, and, and God used it to teach and to show him some things. And then he came to Doubting Castle. Lord, is this what you have for me? Lord, I'm on the right path. I paraphrase. But there were some doubts there. He was, he was uncertain. He was unsure. Can that happen to the Christian? 
It can happen to a Christian. We can struggle with those things. And, and that's where he was. Oh, what about Vanity Fair? Ah, oh, it was less tempting now that he's a Christian, right? It was easy. He could just breeze through there. Those things had no hold on him. That's not true, my friend. The world still pulls. It still allures. It still tempts. It still tries to, to drag us down. And, and so Christian, he's gotten rid of his burden of sin. And he's marching towards the celestial city. And he, and he runs into these things. And then he has the body of the battle with Apollyon, and he's shooting darts at him and, and trying to take him down. And he, he's got all of his armor on. He's marching forward, but he still has to deal uh, with, the, with this uh, monstrosity in front of him. Uh, he's still shaking. He's scared. He's still trying to press forward. He's still confused about those things. He's still pressing forward, still moving forward. Or the valley of the shadow. Sometimes we're in the bottom, it's dark, we're concerned. Being a Christian, being born again, being made new, it doesn't take those things away from us. We have a strength that we didn't have before. We, we have the, the Spirit dwelling in us. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we don't face those things, that we don't deal with those things. And, and we continue to battle, to move forward. Uh, I, I'll use one of my dad's illustrations. I said, Dad, how do you... How do you do it? I mean, what do you, what's your key to, to, to going forward? He said, son, it's like this. He said, I pull my left boot on, I pull my right boot on, and I put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes, dear Christian, that's all we can do. We just suit up and we keep pressing forward. And I'll throw this in there free of charge. It is worth it. It is worth it. The world needs to see Christians who are moored to Jesus Christ, who are light stand, whose anchor is embedded in the rock, and they're not coming loose. No matter what we see in the world, no matter what goes on, no matter what happens, my God reigns and He's on His throne. He saved me and He's still in the business of saving lost sinners. It's an awesome consideration that many a false professor will show himself to be lost and undone when he does not heed the warnings of Scripture. Those who appear to lose faith never had it at all. It's just a front, just a beginning. And dare I say, sometimes we find them in our church pews. Three, if you're keeping count, give heed to the gospel. What does it mean to give heed to the gospel? That's a question that should occupy us as we look at our, our text tonight. And John Owens answers that question in about three ways. And so once again, I'm going to use John Owens with my uh, redneck vernacular, and I'm going to blend these things together, but we want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, first, give heed to the gospel by constantly maintaining high thoughts of the excellence of Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes focused on where they ought to be. Uh, stay drilled in, homed in, read up, prayed up, drawing close to Him. He quotes it this way, If we consider it not as that wherein our chief concernment lies, we consider it not at all as we ought. If the gospel be not more to us than all the worlds besides, we shall never continue in a useful profession of how dear is the gospel to you. Pastor, how dear is the gospel to you? Are you willing to give all that Christ asks of you? Are you born again from head to the toe? Are you completely His? Are you sold out? Are you surrendered? 
What about when you're backed in the corner and the world turns against you and you're barred out of the door you can't get in the funeral because they don't want a man of God and they're telling them about Jesus Christ? What do you do? You keep preaching Jesus. You keep standing bold. You keep moving forward. Well, pastor, they ain't going to like you. That's all right. My God loves me. That's the audience that I, you preach for. You preach for him. Let us keep the glory and the wonder of the gospel ever before our eyes. Keep preaching it, brother. Keep preaching it to yourself. Remember what we have in this great salvation. Something that can't be taken away. Something the world can't tarnish. I go back to last night. Marvel. Marvel at the salvation of the, that we have in Jesus Christ. Secondly, Owen instructs us to make a diligent study of the gospel, searching into the mind of God and, and that we may grow wise in the mysteries of the gospel. This is practical here, right here. We must... Man, I don't, I don't like to preach to myself. We must set aside the many distractions of our modern world and take time to be alone with God, His inerrant, inerrant, infallible Word, eagerly studying the Scripture so that we may deepen our understanding of the gospel of free grace. It's not like we receive grace, we're born again, and we're done. We continue to preach the gospel. We continue to live the gospel. We continue to dive in. There's always more for us to unpack and learn and study about the great God of all creation. There's more to dig in. And he finishes it this way. The studying of the Word is the security of our faith. You know, when you get beat up and you can't find answers and you're hurting and you're, you're, you're just struggling with uh, your, your, your faith, what do you do? To me, it's the prayer closet and God's Word. That's the comfort that I have in that. I, I believe every word in here. I, I believe it's just this exactly how God would have it. I believe every word He meant to be in here. I can trust this Word. I can hold on to this. These truths about God belong to me. I'm his child. They are for me. And so I, you go back and you pour over them and you dive in deeply with them. And I find my security there. The world can't take it from me. I have God who speaks to me. He loves me. He's called me his own, uh, the treasure of his eye, the, the apple of his eye, if you will, his treasure, his possession. And I will always be his possession. And I will always be treasured by him. Me, uh, a lowly, broke-down welder, didn't have an inkling anything about Jesus Christ. Somehow, in His providence, uh, He grabbed a hold of me and changed my life. I didn't go looking for Him. I didn't really want to deal with Him. But He found this poor sinner, and He's still in the business of finding sinners. Thirdly, giving heed to the gospel means becoming watchful against all that opposes the truthfulness of the gospel. So what are you talking about, preacher? False doctrines, attitudes, living that oppose the gospel are many. They're everywhere. You can name them. You have a long list. You've got the prosperity gospel. And here lately for me, I keep seeing this easy believism thing that requires nothing of God's service. That expects nothing. A free trip to heaven. Live how you want to. Say your prayer. Raise your hand. Walk out of the church. You're good to go. My friend, wake up. It costs something to follow Jesus Christ. What will it cost me? It's different 
for each of us, but it cost us everything that we are. The road to the celestial city, to heaven, is hard, it's rough, it's, it demands a lot of us, but it's worth it to represent our God well. The world would help us to unseat those truths of the gospel message. You drive around, and I, I'm sure you, you guys have it a whole lot more than we have, and it's hard to find a church in our area that preaches the truth of God's Word unashamedly, every part of it. They pick and they choose and they give the people what they want. I've told my people and I continue to tell them, I love you enough. I'm going to preach all of the Holy Scripture to you as best as God gifts me to. I'm not going to skip the difficult parts. I'm not going to move those things to the side. I'm going to hold on to it because I have such a great salvation in our Lord. I'm called and commanded to do those things. Philip Hughes writes, to spurn the hearing of the gospel is to disregard not only the preacher, but also God who is the source of the saving message. And the speaking of God to us by His Son, the Word became flesh, and Word and action are perfectly united. And for the believer who responds with faith and gratitude, this Word is not just a declaration heard with the outward ear, but an energy experienced in the very depth of His being, powerful in the transformation of existence and visible in His daily conduct. I go back, I'm just, just a little bit, to the third verse in chapter 1. All things by the word of His power. There's power in that salvation. There's something that happened. He takes the heart of stone out. He puts the heart of flesh in. That heart desires the, thing, desires the things of Christ. He desires, the old is gone. Behold the new. He changes us. He's transforming us. And it's a process we continue to be changed to win. Until we get to heaven, He's continued to change us. We'll never be perfect, but we continue to pursue holiness. We continue to try to please God in that. It's not drudgery. It's right in God's eyes, and it brings Him honor, and it brings Him glory. In view of the infinite grace of God made known in the sending of His Son to redeem fallen mankind, we are under moral obligation to give the most careful heed to the proclamation of the gospel. We must pay careful attention. Eternal issues are at stake, and the gospel by its very nature demands to be treated with fullest seriousness. I don't think sometimes we get the, the full weight of that. I, I think many times in our churches we, we made it something easy to be a Christian. Don't hear me wrong. Please, I, I, you don't have to do backflips or anything, but it, there, there's a weightiness to that. We're, we're, we're graveyard dead. We have no hope. It's a, a dead end road. And God, in His mercy, intervenes and takes out that heart of stone, that rebellious heart. And all we can do is, is marvel at His grace and mercy in that and keep preaching that gospel to ourselves. Now I want to back up just a little bit. 
I want us to go back up to verse 2. Just for a little bit, and I want you to clue in on the end of that a little bit. And I'm going to kind of tie all this in together. Received a just reward. If the, Lord, if the word of the law was meditated by angels was so binding that every infraction was punished, then how much more accountable are those who have the word of salvation directly from Christ's lips, plus the confirmation of eyewitnesses, plus the testimony of miracles, plus the testimony of sin, plus the testimony of wonder, plus the testimony of We have so much more in, in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. He's all been pointing from the Old Testament to this coming. How much more accountable are we, we have the work of Jesus Christ right out in front of us. We read it, we see it, we notice what this it's not a fantasy, it's historical, it's the truth, it's the word of God, and we see all of those things. We've been exposed to so much of Jesus Christ, but yet many hardened hearts turn and walk away from that because they'd rather have the things of the world, brother have the pleasures of the temporary now than to surrender to Jesus Christ. The concern of this warning text is for those who have heard. The concern is for one's attitude. The one who's let the greatness of Christ slip away. How much more catastrophic will the punishment be for ignoring the gospel? Calvin writes it this way it is not only the rejecting of the gospel but even the neglecting of the gospel if that deserves the severest penalty in the view of the greatness of grace which is offered God wishes his gifts to be valued by us at their proper worth the more precious they are the more thankful we should be. If they do not have the proper value for us in accordance with the greatness of Christ, so will the severity of God's vengeance on all despisers of the gospel. It is more blameworthy to sin against love than against law. To ignore God's mercy than to break His law. Oh, I see people walk away. I see people leave the church. I see people who profess to be, be Christians to walk out and trample upon that God's grace to live like a pig in a pigsty. They're perfectly comfortable in the pigsty. That's their home to them. And when God sets us free and washes us clean, we, we don't want to go back into the pigsty. But I see people walk away from this great salvation. They, they plug in. They pull out. They, they give a little lip service to God. They raise their hand in a revival meeting. Uh, and, and then they say, oh, I'm right with God, but yet they still waller in the pig pen. They still flop in the mud. They come out and get washed. They go right back into it. That is not repentance. That is not turning to Jesus Christ. That is not giving up the old. That's still holding on to the new and trying to grasp the new a little bit over here. And you see many Christians right there. They wanted both. They want the escape to go to heaven, but yet they want to live over here in the devil's courtyard. Let it not be said of you that you neglected Jesus Christ and the free grace that he offers. Let it not be said of me that I've neglected my Savior. Let it not be said of me that I've neglected that wonderful salvation that I have in, in Jesus Christ. 
History tells us that failure to shoot a rocket at the precise time of night caused the fall of Antwerp and Holland's deliverance. It was delayed for 20 years. Only three hours' neglect cost Napoleon the Battle of Waterloo. Neglect of Christ's salvation will cost you eternal blessing, eternal joy. It will bring damning judgment and eternal punishment. Do not drift past God's grace. Drop anchor in that God's grace, in that great salvation. Drop anchor that cannot be moved, that's sure and steadfast to that bottom, connected in that we might have eternal life in Him. Take heed to the gospel. Pay close attention to it. And in that warning in there, you will receive a just reward for turning from the gospel. Hold tightly to the gospel. Pray it. Sing it to yourself over and over and over again. I was lost, and Jesus found me. I was dead, and Jesus brought me to new life. I hated the things of God. I loved sin. I didn't want to be a child of God. I wanted to live life how I wanted to live it. And Jesus came. And He gave me a new heart, a new life, a new desires. And may we never grow tired of singing praises to Him who saves such wretches as we. I close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, sometimes we just don't stop and and say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for taking us out of the pigsty that we call the world. Thank you for washing us and making us clean. And God, as I, I, think about, I think about the cross, I, I think about the nails and the, and the thorns and the hatred and the mocking and the spitting. And, and Lord, you died for me. You, you, you died for my sins, my filth, multiplied times many believers. And Lord, you willingly done that. It's been it's pre-appointed, predestined for you to go, and you went willingly, submissive to the Father. And God, you were buried dead in the tomb, three days, raised. It's not a fairy tale, it's the truth of God's Word. Oh, what a great salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Let us not neglect it. Let us stay anchored to the truth of the gospel message. Lord, we love you. May we be faithful servants to you. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.